You are listening to the latest message from Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas, where we don't care about your past, but care about your future. We thank you for joining us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Dwayne Higgins. You know, I think that's what we all need is somebody to influence us. But I want you to realize you are also influencing people today. You may not realize it. You may not think that you're making a major difference. But I assure you, somebody is watching you. And, and you're influencing them one way or the other. And as I stood back there this morning and I looked at the kids and I saw Kaylee up here singing and gives me great pride that we get to be a part of these children's lives. Because that's the next generation. Barring the Lord doesn't come back in a couple of years. They're will be given the task of carrying on spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And without them, the gospel message will die because it's always one generation away from dying. Because if there's ever a generation that quit then the message dies with them. But thankfully, for 2,000 years, someone has picked up the ball and ran with it. And we're still building churches, gathering as churches, and hopefully more of them are preaching the Word than I wish there was more, because it's so easy today to try to be politically correct and get numbers instead of get disciples. The thing about Jesus, he never worried about the numbers. He worried about the disciple because he was more focused on individuals that would come to know him and know his father through him in a very personal way. Numbers are not a measure for success. If there were, Jesus was a failure. Because when he died, he could barely gather 120 to follow. And out of the 12 closest to him, only 11 turned out right. So if numbers were the value of success, he, he was a failure. But yet he entrusted the gospel message with those 11 and those others that followed and it's still going today. So you have to look at the success was not in the the majority, the crowds of the feeding the 5,000 or the 4,000. The success was in the development of disciples that would keep the message pure and simple and straight to the point. And what I liked about what you said, Tyrell, is you had a preacher they wasn't concerned about how wild she was. He was, but he wasn't. He wasn't offended by it. He accepted you for who you were because he could all the potential. 
And it's the same way with me. Those that influenced me after I got saved, they never let my past and who I was bother them. And there was one other that helped me along a lot. Another one of my great-grandfathers had discipled him. This man's name is Austin Womack. And when I got saved, I could always go to Austin and talk to him about something going on in my life. And he would just grin, and he'd tell me how it's going to turn out. He had been through it. And when he told me one day about how my great-grandfather had discipled him, now he was a World War II veteran, went through the war not being saved, got saved later in his life. And he said, my Papa Mac discipled him. Then I knew I was getting part of my heritage through him because it was carrying on. And that's, that's what it's all about. Okay, I don't know what brought me up to that other than I look around and I was, I'm filled with joy when I see parents bringing their children up here. And as I get older and I realize I'm, I'm not going to be here a lot longer, one way or the other, to know that this church has a future. Born the Lord coming back, it's got a future because you are bringing your children and your grandchildren and you're teaching them the gospel. You're letting them get up here and sing. You're letting them be involved in their youth programs, our children's department, and all those things because I know they're being taught to love people, to love the Lord. And this work's going to continue on. So praise be to God. Let's go look at the sixth trump in Revelation chapter 9. I told you it gets worse and worse as we go. Last week we, we went through the, the, the first four trumpets and on into the fifth and, and with the interlude there coming between the, the fourth and the fifth trumpet, the middle of the tribulation period. And from that point on, we see it get dramatically worse. And this sixth trumpet, beginning verse 13 of chapter 9 of the book of Revelation, really begins to bring home the uh, multitude of God's wrath as he pours it out upon uh, uh, the world. And, and I've told you, I believe our, our rapture as Christians will happen sometime at the mid-trib, um, that, that this is reserved for the judgment of the world. We won't be here because of what we see in chapter 8 with the multitude before the throne. But I want you to be aware, because some of you may not be saved, and the rapture may leave you here. And I want to try to convince you not to want to stay here and to try to warn others not to want to stay here. Because as it grows Closer and closer. Every time uh, an angel blows his trumpet, it's ushering in a a judgment of God, and he works through individuals. Beginning verse thirteen, he says, "Now the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, one saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, 
release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. All right, this pretty well tells you where these angels are, are being bound and held right now. And if you look at the river Euphrates in the area that it is, it's, first of all, if you go back to the first time we hear it, it's in Genesis. It was one of the boundaries of the Garden of Eden. It and the Tigris and two other rivers were the boundaries. But where, where is it today in our society? What does it run through the middle of? It starts in Turkey, flows down through parts of Iraq, and dumps in just to the edge of Iran. It and the Tigris actually come back together. The interesting part is the Tigris and the Euphrates begin within two miles of each other in a mountain range. And then they come back together about 35 miles from, from uh, the, the sea there. Uh, I believe it's the Gulf of Araba between Iran and Iraq and Kuwait in those areas. Uh, actually, in olden times, before it silted in, they dumped separately. But now they force, and as rivers do, so many times they change places. So we see these angels bound in this area, which is predominantly what? Controlled by what religious group? Muslim. It's what you need to keep your mind on. Why this war that's being fought today is more than a war between Israel and Hamas. It is literally a holy war beginning there between the Muslim faith and God's chosen people. And it's going to grow and expand even further. And we see that at this period of time, there, that there's four angels that were so bad, they've been bound up for thousands of years. And only in the last days will they be released to bring about the harm that they're going to bring about. Now, these are not godly angels. Let me clarify this. They're part of Satan's angels, the third that had fallen from heaven. Undoubtedly, these were some of the key leaders directly under the hierarchy. We have three archangels. We got Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Those were the three what's called archangels. They were the head of a third, so it's divided up like a military structure. Under each one of them would have been more angels with, with a, a lot of power and structure to operate. And these four, undoubtedly, were directly under Lucifer, and they're so bad, so wicked, and so evil that God has restrained them from being released until the sixth trumpet sounds. And so if they are released from this area, how will they work? They're going to work to influence people within the Muslim faith. They're going to work within the leadership of, of Iran and Iraq and Turkey because this is where they're at. They're going to influence them, and they're going to ultimately bring them against the nation of Israel. So that's why it's going, we need to keep our eye on how the Muslims are operating in these areas. And that's why it's so important when you look at some of the things going on. First of all, Turkey today is part of the United Nations. They are a key voting block in the United Nations. Therefore, they are allowing the United Nations and actually supplementing the United Nations into doing 
some things against Israel. They're also a nuclear power. And they have nuclear weapons. Iran's on the verge, from my understanding, what we hear on the news, uh, that at any time they could develop the nuclear weapons. Israel is the only other nation with nuclear weapons in the Middle East right now. Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. I'm not sure about Egypt, whether they're a nuclear power or not, but predominantly Saudi Arabia and all these are not. So we're going to look at angels coming out with the ability to influence key leadership and direction. And if you look at the influence leaders have on people, just look around you today uh, at the uprisings we have and the ability for people to stir up great crowds and hordes of people to rebel. It, it's, it's shocking to me that people cannot see some, through some of the truth and, and, and make decisions on that, but they be influenced in, in this way. So the, when the sixth trumpet blows, they're going to be released. Well, what's going to happen? Verse 15, it says, And the four angels who had been prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. One third of all of mankind could be destroyed by these individuals. Now, I'm not for sure if this be one-third of mankind throughout the world or one-third one of the population in that area because when John wrote this, the known world consisted of the Middle East and parts of Asia Minor. And so we, we're not... You, you just can't finalize all this. But even in a third of those countries, you're talking about destroying millions of lives. If we're talking about a third of the world's population, you're talking about billions of lives. Well, how do you kill 2.1 billion people in the earth? You won't do it with conventional weapons. But we very well could see plagues, in the news this morning, in California, they arrested an illegal Chinese scientist who's running a bio lab in Southern California, developing pathogens, diseases there in this lab, right here on our own country, funded by the Chinese Communist government. Now, folks, this was not a small lab. They showed the outside of the building. And I'm guessing somewhere between twenty and 30,000 square feet in a 40-foot-tall building. This was a massive structure that he's leasing or bought or whatever, filled with a, a lab creating diseases to be released or could be released on a population here in America. I also heard this morning, and I forget if it was, I guess it was maybe Mike or somebody was telling me about, in Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee is stopping a group of Chinese who said they were doing seed development 
in, in Arkansas to develop new seeds where what they found out, they're actually developing diseases to destroy our crops. So these are just some of the ways that you be begin to really, well, how do you tie China to the Middle East? They've already made agreements and treaties with each other. They're working hand in hand. So we see a, a great a time in the near future uh, of one-third of mankind being destroyed. Verse 16, he says, The number of the armies or of horsemen was 200 million, and I heard the number of them. And so God's giving him the number there, uh, and we don't know for sure that it's been changed through time and translation, but it's a great horde or multitude of an army that he's seen within his vision and he's heard about of this army rising up. Well, when I got saved in the 80s, the only place you could find a military of this size would have been China because they, they were running about a billion people then and, and stuff. So 200 million people. The, the thing is now, we never would have dreamed about it, but in the 40 years I've been saved, you could draw that many Muslim into one army if they joined together. Because it used to be it'd have to come from Russia and China because number-wise, it's the only way you could find a military that large. But the the radicalism and the Muslim faith and all that's happened through the past 30 or 40 years, you could very well raise that many out of Turkey, Iran, Iraq, and all them other Kakistans and stuff if they turn against Israel. But a massive army joined together, united under one thing. The only thing I can ever think of that unites an army is faith. You're never going to get that many people together politically. So it has to be some kind of ideological thing that draws them together. Because even in America, it been 22 years ago now, when 9-11 hit, hit, they attacked us. All our differences dropped out of the sight, and we joined together to fight a common enemy. World War II, we, we joined together with the world to fight a common enemy. World War I, we joined together. So an ideological situation is what it's going to take to bring this many together. A holy war between Israel, a little bitty nation, and the whole Muslim faith is where it's going to come to when this sixth trumpet is sounded and they begin to come forth. Verse 17, And this is how I saw in the, the vision the horses and those who sat upon them. The riders had breastplates of color of fire and hyacinth and brimstone and the heads of the horses in the like of heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire and brimstone. Well, this has always been something that I've struggled with when we're back to fighting on horseback again. But I began to think about this and pray about it, and, and I began to think about it. If I was alive in John's time in the first century, and God allowed me to see 1950 years into the future, well, how would I describe some type of vehicle 
with a man driving it and rockets coming off the back of it. When the most complicated thing I'd ever seen was a chariot being pulled by horses. So is he describing something literally on horseback or is he describing something the best he can not knowing what a vehicle was and what a rocket does? Because what does a rocket do when it takes off? There's, there's brimstone and fire going out. There's fire coming out the back. Smoke and, and a trail of everything. And then there's a massive explosion with it. So how would somebody in the first century describe something like that when they've never seen it? They would use words that they could identify with. So now think about this. If, if possibly, when he looked into the front of a vehicle, he saw the face of a man that was operating it. But how would he describe the front of a military vehicle? Biggest thing in use, a lion's head. And out of the mouth, because it's shooting out at the front, what's coming out the back is, is I'm just speculating. Because I don't think we're going to go backwards. I think God's going to use the military equipment that's been developed through the years and man has developed. And so we're seeing this army with these this kind of things. And right now, rockets seem to be the prevalent thing. The, the hand-to-hand -hand fighting is slowly beginning to walk back. How has Hamas attacked Israel mostly? Thousands of rockets. How did Israel attack Hamas? Bombs and rockets and artillery. It's, it's, it's no longer fighting face-to-face. -face. It's fighting from a distance. We use drones. We unmanned ships. We, the, the U.S. used all kinds of uh, uh, military rockets and and things, it's unmanned stuff. And so if we begin to think of that in this battle, we can understand a little bit about the brimstone and the fire that's proceeded in the smoke that comes from it. Verse 18, And a third of mankind was killed by these three plagues. A third of mankind in this war. That's why it makes me think that it's more of an isolated war within this region in this area uh but it's going to be a world it's going to involve the whole world but there's going to be a massive gathering within this area where so much of mankind's going to be fighting and this is not armageddon this is prior to armageddon because armageddon didn't come until the seventh trumpet for the power of the horses is in their mouths which would be the front front of them and in their tails which would be the back uh, for their tails are like serpents and have heads and, and and with them they do harm. So I'm speculating there, but I'm trying to take what his vision is and apply it to what we see today. Because it's going to be an army of men and, and military and things that come together. And the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hand. So that tells us the rest of the world, even though they watch and see this, have done what? They failed to learn anything from it. God's always trying to do one of two things. He either wants to save you 
or bring you to redemption to where you can be saved. He wants to bring you to a place of repentance. Probably the, the most dangerous thing that's been done through the church in the past 50 years is we've preached salvation, but we've not preached enough on repentance. We tell everybody how easy it is to be saved, but we fail to tell them that salvation comes through repentance. By faith and repentance, it means turning from what you've been doing. And that's why we have so many people claim to be Christians, but they continue to live a lifestyle that they were prior to becoming a Christian. And, and yet the Scripture says there's a repentance. There's a change in the heart. There's a turning away from what we used to be and turning to what God desires for us to be. And so through all this, God is still trying to reach out to people, but they're failing to repent and turn so to come to Him and they continue on with their same lifestyle and reject Him because they're being blinded by Satan himself to understanding that that anybody can pray and God just loves them and everything's all right and, and they don't distinguish between Christian and in any other faith. I don't want to just pick on the Muslim, but any other faith. I, I've had people say, well, we're all trying to get to the same place. You may be trying, but I'm going. Why? Because I'm doing what the Scripture says that I'm saved by faith through the only one who can save me, and that's Jesus Christ himself. So they can try, I'm going. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he said this at the end, he said, it is finished. Everything had been done that God could do to provide for my salvation. There was nothing else God needed to do. Then from that point on, it fell upon me and you and every other individual that we either accept Jesus Christ or reject Him. It's a free choice. But there's nothing that God has to do because everything's been completed, finished, done. He had died. He took away the sins of the world when He died on the cross. He didn't have to go to the grave. The only thing why He went to the grave was to show you and I there was life after death. But the salvation came at the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ. The grave was just the icing on the cake so that we would have salvation and redemption there at the cross. And he went into the grave to come out on the third day to fulfill that promise so you and I can know that the grave cannot hold you and I because of our saving faith. And everybody ought to have said amen on that. Get me started, folks. I want to preach on the Word because that's what it's all about. But... It's a holy war is being fought today. The Jews have rejected Jesus Christ for going on 2,000 years. But I believe with all my heart, you're going to see more and more Jews come to Christ in this time, in this period. Why? Because they're going to come to the realization the blinders are going to be removed and they're going to realize Jesus was more than a prophet. Jesus was more than a good rabbi. Jesus was more than a good teacher. He's the Messiah that was God had promised so no means and all of a sudden there's going to be a great revival throughout Israel in this time of trial and tribulation, and a lot of them, I pray millions of them get saved, and this becomes a holy war between God's chosen people who finally repent and the world that's outside that won't repent, and these battles God's going to say, here it is. 
see it for what it is. See it for what it is. Because we know they will not repent. And they will continue to worship demons and idols, gold and silver, brass, stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. They would not repent. What I desire for you to know, the time to repent is today. Or you'll be deceived. You're coming, so God's already put it on your heart to know Him, or you wouldn't be here, and you wouldn't stay here. Because the people that don't want to repent and don't want to hear the Word of God, they, 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 don't, they don't stay here very long. They'll, they'll go somewhere else. But you're here because God's reaching out to you. So my desire for you is, if you're not walking with Christ today, you need to start today. You need to get saved today. You need to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And you need to turn from those things that are pulling you away. And it's not easy, folks. Some of these things are hold on to you. But that's all. Because once we give, put our faith in Christ, He helps us through that. And He'll carry us through that. And He'll work in your life to cleanse you. And He'll bring you forth. But you've got to make that decision. Not only am I going to accept Christ, but I'm going to turn away from those things that are displeasing to Him because I want to walk with Him. I go back to King David. This is what God said about King David. He's a man after my own heart. Now, he didn't say David was a perfect man. He didn't say, David, because of your faithfulness and in, in, in your good works, you're not, you're not there, but you're a man after my heart. He knew David's weaknesses. He knew David's shortcomings, but he knew David's heart. And David's heart was a heart to please God, and he was always willing to repent when he knew he displeased God, but he tried and worked and struggled every day to walk with God and to be pleasing to God, and his heart was there, and God knew that. God didn't look at the outside of David. He looked at the inside. Because only God can look into your heart and know whether you're there. You can I've been deceived by so many people through the years. It's just unreal. They can put on a real nice facade at church or in the community or wherever. And then all of a sudden you see the heart come out in them one day. You say, man, where did that come well, it'll catch me off guard, but it never caught God off guard. Because Jesus said there'll be a day when many will come forth. He said, but Lord, we did all these things. And he said, but I never knew you. Depart from me. Why? Because their heart wasn't right. Their heart wasn't right. You see, that's what matters. You will never be perfect enough in this fleshly body to be able to gain salvation. You'll just never be there. But what you can do is reach out and take a free gift of salvation. 
and say, today I'm going to believe. Today I'm going to receive Jesus Christ. Today I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going to start turning away from those things that have pulled me aside that I've done, and I'm going to start walking in a whole new way. And God's going to bless you. That's what repentance is. Because you can either do it now, receive salvation, or you can wait until when this comes, because I'm going to be gone and I won't be here to tell you anything about it. And then you can say, wow, maybe that old preacher is right because all this is coming. And it's un- uh, but, but the problem is the deception that comes with it. That's why I'm still amazed that today organizers of protests can get millions of people to walk and protest in support of a group that will take these little bitty babies and put them in an oven and turn it on to try to make mama tell them something. They can kill a mother and cut open her womb and take her baby out and kill it or walk into the bedroom. I know it's gross, but I'm telling you what happened. Walk into a bedroom with a little toddler is laying and cut his head off and yet we've got people marching in support of them you know why they can do that because they're okay with killing their own babies and we do it by the millions every year in a thing called abortion we've thrown life out because life has no value We're not but a hand throw just a, a short distance away from somebody looking at it and picking and choosing. You're too old. Let's go ahead and get rid of you. You're a burden on the system. And when they get that going, then they look around and they don't like your eye color, your hair color, the who else you are. Sounds like some guy from back in the 30s and 40s, doesn't it? Some guy named Hitler. We call him a barbarian, but we're we're not very far from doing that today. We'll kill a Jew because he's a Jew. We'll kill a person today because they're white or black or whatever. We'll kill a person today over $10. Life is just no value. People are getting killed every day driving up the highway because you made somebody mad. Mike was telling me just Wednesday about one of our local guys, a man blowing the horn back behind him, and he couldn't go anywhere, and he gets out to talk to him about it, and the guy pulls a gun on him, threatens to kill him in a parking lot. Oh, by the way, he was a police officer in Bowie County. So they give him a gun, a badge, and said, you're okay. That's where our world is today. How much more is it going to be worse after the fifth and the sixth trumpet sound? Folks, it's not a pretty picture. But there is a pretty picture. And that picture is Jesus Christ and those who walk with him today. And that's what I want you to I, I hope and pray there's not a soul of you here when that sixth trumpet blows. 
if, if you are, it's your own decision. Anybody that's listening to me out there on Facebook, I, it's your decision to make because you don't have to because God's going to take those who trust him away before the sixth trumpet happens. Because he said, you're, you're not going to be here because you've walked with me. And that's what it's all about. So the message is serious. The seventh trumpet is coming. And it's the trumpet we've all been waiting for to hear. And uh, we'll talk about that next week, and then we'll probably be done. I'm getting tired of Revelation. I don't like to hear about all this stuff. I want to talk some more about my Jesus. Uh, but we're going to see and look at the seventh trumpet, and then uh, we'll go on from there. We'll finish November up and, and look at it. So don't go to seed on Revelation, because you don't have to. If you want to go to seed on something, do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's, that's the good picture, because I don't plan on being here when this one blows. I'm going to be in front of the throne forever and ever and ever. Have my little cabin on the creek bank. Going to be there. My golden streak's going to be a gold dirt pathway through there. That gold dust just sprinkled down there because I don't need a street. I just need a pathway. And I need two rocking chairs. One for me and one for my Jesus. Boy, you got a surprise coming. You're three planets over. All right. But anyway... These are these are good times, scary times, but good times. And in the book of Revelation, it's hard to understand. And to be truthful, I was telling Ed this morning, a lot of it we won't understand till we see it unfold in front of us. Because people have been studying it for hundreds of years, but they could never project what's there. But today is different because we're literally seeing it be unfolded right in front of us. And through everything God has shown us and, and through the Scripture and the fulfillment, and that's why I told you something was going to happen in 2023 and it's going to happen at the end of the... That was, to me, that was that fifth point of the dates that verified where we were at. And um, I preached on that for years, and now we see it. So Dr. Jeffries don't agree with me, but I say we're in the tribulation. I was told this week, Dr. Jeffries don't believe we're there. I said, I don't care what he believes. I don't believe. You know, I, I don't know. I may be wrong. But I'm living my life like this is where we're at because that's where I see us. I see us at a holy war. And uh, it's major. And I think we're going to see this fulfilled right before us. If we don't, what does it hurt? We just serve a little bit longer and and uh, it just scares me that it could get worse than what it is today does that bother you that it could get worse than what it is today the human life is so invalued that you can kill 12 1300 people one day and then be okay with those people and say oh we'll just let y'all live i mean we you made a mistake 
Whew, y'all don't know. My prayer for Israel is wipe them all off the face of the map. It's what Joshua should have done two, about 4,000 years ago. There's nothing but evil going to come out of it. That's what they've been doing ever since Joshua conquered. They've been a thorn in Israel's flesh, that same area. for. No, they didn't surprise him either. And uh, it ought not surprise us that the, that kind of wickedness is there because they've been there. Direct descendants of people who would kill babies even back then. All right. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the end of the story. I just pray that if there's any soul here today that has got any doubts about where they're going to spend eternity, they'll get that thing straightened out right now. Realizing the free gift of salvation is up to them to receive it. It's been given. It's being offered. All they have to do is reach out and take it. And I'd pray that there's no one that hears this message or that's here or anywhere around us that will not see it for what it is. It's the truth, and salvation is free, and you desire to walk with them and to show them and for them to repent and come to you and accept that, and they will receive the greatest blessing in the world, and that's the forgiveness of their sin. So I pray that if it's Anyone here today that's not received Christ, they will do that and invite him into the line. We pray for the events we're about to see. They will not be shocked, but realize you've already laid them out. You knew what was going to come. You knew the, the work of mankind. You knew what we would do without you. But you still provide hope in these latter days. And in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Visit with some friends and family, and uh, take care of yourself. See you next week. We thank you for listening to Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. We are located on Highway 259, just south of the four-way in Omaha. You may also find us on Facebook or the web at barnonecowboyministries.com, a place where we don't care about your past, but care about your future.